Hello, fellow educators. Welcome to episode 25 of the West Virginia Leaders of Literacy podcast. I'm your host, Becky Lewis, and I'm joined with my co-host for the month, Brandy Turner. Today, we are going to be discussing building foundational interactions to support child development and how this impacts our littlest learners. Welcome to the West Virginia Leaders of Literacy podcast where we engage in educational conversations to strengthen early literacy in West Virginia. Are you ready to become a leader of literacy? Welcome listeners. Thank you for tuning in today on our episode focused on building foundational interactions to support child development. I am thrilled to be welcoming back my colleague and fellow early literacy specialist, Brandi Turner. Brandy, thank you so much for co-hosting with me this month. No, thank you, Becky. I am always excited to join the podcast. And honestly, as a mother of a 16-month-old and an early childhood educator, I'm thrilled to be here to discuss our little learners and how we can best support their development. Building foundational interaction that supports child development is not only valuable information for parents or caregivers of our youngest learners, but it is also valuable for child care centers, preschool teachers, and just any adult who interacts with infants, toddlers, and preschoolers. So I want to ask our listeners to share this podcast and the next one with any caregivers that you know who interact with our youngest learners because we are going to be sharing a ton of ideas and resources in these episodes that will be beneficial to a variety of individuals and organizations across the state. It's a really good point, Becky. Just moving forward, when we say, when we talk about caregivers, that's exactly who we mean, all those people you listed, parents, guardians, child care centers, anyone who um, has a young learner in their life. I know a resource that we share across the state as early literacy specialists and that I personally utilize as a mother that could also be used by any caregiver is Vroom. I certainly don't want to turn this into an advertising commercial for Vroom, but what I do love about it is it helps us all really understand how to interact with our little ones in a way that is appropriate. They provide these brain building tips that can include an activity as well as explaining in layman's terms the science behind why that activity is so important in a way that we can all understand it and so that we can then take that information and transfer it to other activities that we're doing. And the activity typically is something that is already being done with a child, like taking a bath, going grocery shopping, getting dressed, and it simply complements what we do every day. And I just want to be sure that our listeners know that Vroom is free. It's something free that you sign up and they send you these daily tips via text message or email, or you can even print out their tips based on your child's age of, like Brandy said, how to interact with your child when you're doing everyday things. Right. And Vroom was not around when I was a parent to young children, but I really wish it had been. Even though I am an educator, it's easy to forget these simple interactions with your child because your everyday responsibilities and chores get in the way and overtake your mind. So I want to really quickly take a minute to talk about the research behind Vroom because, Brandy, you mentioned they provide that 
science behind it. But their principles that they are based on are positive adult relationships, back and forth interactions, and life skills that promote executive functioning. And I think it is important for our listeners to understand what the science says about each of these principles and why they are important to these foundational interactions. I agree, Becky. So let's start with the first one that you mentioned, positive adult-child relationships. I remember reading a parenting book when Gabriel was just born, and there's one thing that stuck out to me the most. And I'm certainly paraphrasing here because I don't have the book in front of me, but basically one thing matters most when caring for a child, and that's building a loving relationship built on trust. Mm -hmm. It sounded crazy to me at the time, and sometimes it still does to think about building trust with an infant, but we do, and it's natural. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm sure as a first-time parent, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes along the way, but I know I can love my child and I know I can start building trust with them at an early age. Right. And I think that's important not only for parents, but for all caregivers, including educators, because we're all human and make mistakes. And that's just kind of a part of life. It's important to give ourselves some grace and not to get discouraged by those bumps in the road that we encounter. Because like I mentioned earlier, we get so wrapped up in the big ideas of what it means to support and nurture a child's development or those missteps that sometimes get in our way. And we just need to take a step back and realize that something as simple as just being there with your child in a moment as they're playing or experiencing new things is enough. Yeah, it's it's definitely a relief to know that sometimes building that trust with infants and toddlers isn't scary or anything different than what you would do with older children or friends or relatives. So basically, do what you say you're going to do. Keep your promises. Comfort them when they cry. Other times, the act of building trust might look a little different, but the meaning behind it is the same. So for instance, allowing your child to express his or her ideas, and then making sure that you are valuing those opinions, even if it is just acknowledging that they have them. For an infant, that might mean you let them lead during playtime and you go along with whatever they're doing instead of trying to be in charge of the play toys. This is one thing I think every parent struggles with, me included, being okay with it when for instance, at mealtime, they push certain food away and don't want to eat it, even if it's their favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, for toddlers, it, it might also mean that they have the opportunity to have a choice in things that they want to eat or wear or play. And just giving them that opportunity will help build that trust and build that relationship. I agree. Those choices that we give our children really do build trust because when you think about adults, when we are given the same kind of freedoms and opportunities in our personal life and our professional life, it builds trust with us and those around us. Yeah, good point. So research shows that positive supportive experiences with parents and other adults are important to children's brain development. These interactions are the foundation of brain development and ensure that children will have strong and resilient brains. The tips that Vroom provides are an effective and easy way for parents and other caregivers to bond with their child and promote learning. Even though it's ideal to begin supporting and building brain development in these ways, it's 
also important to remember that it's never too late to start. Amen. (laughs) I know that we're kind of sounding like a commercial for Vroom, but it's such a great free resource for parents and any person that is interacting with children, like I said. So I want to share one tip from Vroom. And this tip is called Silly Suds. It's suggested for children ages 12 months to three years old, which works perfectly for my 20-month-old nephew and my three-year-old niece. And this tip is for when you're washing hands with your child. It encourages you to get silly while you're getting clean. So for example, with my nephew, the activity is going to look a little different than it would with my niece. So when I'm doing this with him, I would say, hey, let's wash your hands. But then instead of starting with his hands, I would start with his feet. Then say, oh, no, those are your feet. Where are your hands? And have him help me identify where his hands are. For his older sister to change this activity up, maybe I would let her lead the interaction this time because she saw me and her brother do it and encourage her to lead to washing other body parts like her elbows or her wrists or her ankles instead of her hands and just being silly. Now, the brain development behind this activity is what you're doing is you're helping your child focus on listening to your words and drawing on what they already know to play this silly game with you, which really strengthens their memory. They're also practicing flexible thinking about opposites as well as learning new words and what they mean in a really fun way. I really love that activity and I can just see myself doing it right now and Gabriel putting his feet up on the sink like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it it really would make though an everyday event more fun. And we know that Vroom is a great resources, but I also have a second resource that I came across when doing research and it was shared by the Georgia Campaign for Grade Level Reading and it's called Building Babies Brains. And it's developed primarily for guardians to use and understanding their child's development. We'll put the link in the show notes. Just for listeners now, it's buildingbabiesbrains.com. It helps parents know what milestones to look for and activities to help support the progress of those milestones. I love how it's organized. It's very easy to follow. You select the age of your child, and then per that age group, you can dig deeper into learning more about those milestones, physical development, cognitive development, literacy and language, approaches to social-emotional development, and that's really where we're specifically talking about building those relationships with your child. And so it's definitely another second great resource to use in building trust and relationships and any other developmental phase along the way. Thanks for sharing that resource, Brandy. I'm not familiar with that one, but I'm really excited to go check it out when I have the chance. Let's move on to the idea of back and forth interaction. We know that positive relationships help stimulate the brain and build neural connections, and a new study has shown that more children participate in back-and-forth interactions with their caregivers, the more activity they have in the part of the brain that's responsible for language production and processing. Absolutely. And what we don't think about often is what happens if those interactions are not there. So the Center on the Developing Child at Harvard 
says that the persistent absence of serve and return, so that back and forth interaction, acts as a double whammy for healthy development. So if it's not there, not only does the brain not receive those positive stimulations it needs, but the stress response of the body is activated and it kind of floods the brain with harmful stress hormones. And you don't think about that being so harmful for children not having those back and forth interactions. And it, it does seem kind of alarming, but having those quality interactions with the little ones doesn't have to be so scary and be a chore. Like we've said previously, it can be done while doing many other daily chores together. And I think that's the beauty of it. The one thing is it takes being intentional about those interactions we're having with our children and taking the time to have them. So slow down during bath time and talk about what you're doing. You can ask questions like, is the water too hot while you're dipping your toe in the bath? It's hard when our littlest ones can't respond verbally, but remember that their response might be a facial expression or a gesture or even babbling. Right. One thing to remember is that back and forth interaction doesn't always have to be verbal, like I said, on the caregiver's end either. Just taking turns doing something helps build that reciprocal language that takes place. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people also ask about whether interacting with technology devices or watching interactive shows can benefit that reciprocal language we're talking about in those back and forth interactions. And basically what I've read is that the best influence on the brain development is having real life interactions. There's no evidence out there to support the idea that videos or music recordings or interactive toys have a measurable impact on that development. So certainly that doesn't mean that we don't want our children to interact with such technology. They certainly can, and we want them to experience multiple things. Uh, We just want to make sure that the primary source of these interactions is real life experience and not forget about having, like you said, being intentional with having those interactions. I think that's a very excellent point. I know that some of the television shows, like you mentioned, are developed with our youngest learners in mind, and they seem to have those really interactive elements. They pause, but Like you said, what's missing are the opportunities that we naturally do with young children. And if you think about it, these are things that we do such as self-talk and parallel talk and incorporating feedback loops into our interactions. Let me go a little bit into self-talk and parallel talk. They're very similar, but if you've ever paid attention to a caregiver interacting with a young child, chances are you've seen both of these in action. Self-talk is when we're narrating our actions for children. For example, I remember with my girls, one thing I would do when they were infants and toddlers and it was time to put socks and shoes on, I would say, let's put your left sock on. Now let's put your right sock on. Now I'm going to put your left shoe on. Now I'm going to put your right shoe on. And just doing that helps stimulate and narrate for your child what you're doing. And it also gets concepts like socks and shoes in there and left and right. Parallel talk is when we're narrating what the child is doing. So for example, if you're playing with blocks with your toddlers and they're stacking them, you might say, oh, you put the red block on top of the blue block. And there's many other instances when we do that kind of parallel talk for them and narrate what they're doing, especially when they're doing something that we're praising them for. 
Feedback loops are a little bit different, but they're in the same realm of communication as both self-talk and parallel talk. And what feedback loops are is that just back and forth exchange of information and interaction between you and your child, which is most often verbal. But as we mentioned before, it can be nonverbal and it involves using those follow-up questions based on what you and your child are interacting around. So if we take these three elements and think about them, they're really crucial for beginning at an early age with your child and building their brain because these interactions and exchanges that your child is doing with you, they will have the experiences doing them in the classroom with their teacher throughout the entire instructional day. So that's a perfect segue, Becky, into our next principle that Vroom follows, and it's how those interactions can help build a child's executive function. So first, let's just define what executive function is for our listeners. It is a set of mental skills that include their working memory, flexible thinking, and self-control. We use these skills every day as adults and children to learn, to work, to manage our daily life. Some of the skills might include paying attention, organizing and planning, completing tasks, and most importantly for some of us, regulating our emotions. Babies are not born with these skills, which is why we see that infants and toddlers struggle with many of these. And when you think about it, we call that phase probably when they're struggling with it the most and learning these skills is their terrible twos because they're learning how to regulate their emotions along the way. You're exactly right, which is why it's so important for caregivers to be mindful of how they can begin teaching these skills at a young age. Building the foundation for these skills is key to development, and it should be done within birth to age five range. Our early educators, especially those who teach pre-K and kindergarten, build off of these foundations that caregivers have already laid, and they often spend a lot of time continuing to develop these executive functioning skills with their students because the students come in at varying levels. If your child has had experience and exposure developing these skills with you at home, then what you're going to see is they're going to have an easier time transitioning to school, and they're also going to be ready quicker to really dig into the content that the teacher is trying to teach rather than working on building these executive functioning skills. Right now, I know it sounds overwhelming to think about in addition to every other caregiver duty. So let's take a deep breath and talk about how it can be done. Yeah, it does sound really overwhelming and a huge responsibility when we're thinking about it this way. But like we mentioned before, it isn't just one more thing. It is naturally intertwined with everything that we do. We've mentioned several times about the importance of building strong relationships with your baby or your child. And this relationship building is just as critical here to build their executive functioning as it is for all the other factors we discussed. Even at the youngest age, our little ones are watching us. And we know that modeling appropriate behaviors and what our response to stress is provides those stepping stones for their executive functioning development. Right. And when I started researching about how to build executive function, I was expecting to read about complicated tasks to do with your child, but 
that's not the case at all. Yeah. Playing games, singing songs, and mimicking with your child all help build these needed skills. The Center on Developing Child at Harvard has developed a wonderful activity guide for each age range from birth to adult with examples of activities that will help build executive function that we'll share as a resource with you in the show notes. As we're winding down on time, Brandy, I want to take a really quick minute to thank you again for co-hosting with me this month. Oh, absolutely. You know, hopefully you can tell in my voice that I am very passionate about this type of interaction, not only as a mother, but as an educator. Right. It's so important. I'm going to ask you your final question now. So when we're thinking about building foundational interactions to support our youngest learners, what is one tip or piece of advice that you can leave with our listeners? I think I'll answer this in two ways. Uh, As a parent to a parent, my advice would just be to take a breath and love your child. If you show love to your child, everything else will fall into place. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have those missteps that Becky mentioned earlier, but just love them and take the time to be with them. As an educator, my advice to anyone would just be make time to talk. Even when the child can't talk back, talk about your day, the things that you see and what you're doing. It doesn't have to take special skills. They will learn from simply listening to you. For links to all the resources discussed in this episode and for additional information, please visit our website at wvde.us forward slash leaders of literacy. Click on podcast and click on the show notes for episode 25. Want to learn more about being a leader of literacy? Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single installment. In the next episode, Brandy Turner and I will be welcoming two experts from the field, Dan Torres and Catherine Miller, to continue our conversation on building foundational interactions in order to support child development. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening.